0: Listening to the Queen City Church sermon of the week. Enjoy this exciting
1: message by Pastor Andy Squires. Hey guys, real quick, I have an announcement to make. Um, last week, who was here last week? Raise your hand if you were here last week. I had my um, my buddy Sean was here last week, and I love Sean. Sean's one of those guys I love, and he and I love to disagree with each other about stuff. I don't know if you have friends like that. If you don't have friends like that, you. You you need to go go get some. <laughs> That's real friendship, right? <laughs> right. Friends you agree with all the time are not, are maybe not, your most influential friends. <laughs> all right. You need people in your life who, who disagree with you. Um, but Sean, he and I are good buddies. And I went out to be with him in California a while back. He did a fundraiser for some of the work he's doing in Iraq. Um, Sean's a worship leader and. He has a uh, couple of ministries. He's got a ministry called The Burn, and he's but he also does a lot of humanitarian work in Indi- places like India and places like Iraq. He works with the refugees. And when I was out there, I was really, really touched, enough. and I wanted him to come to town at some point and dream about how we could help him with his work with the refugees. And and he's like, well, how should we get started? And I was like, well, just come out, and we'll talk about it. And while you're out here, share what you do or what what you're doing with the church so while you're here, you can, you know, we can dream about how we can help you, you know. And I just wanted to say, seeing the response of the church last week to Sean's work with the refugees really, really touched me in a deep way. You know, I felt for a long time that um, this was supposed to be a part of our story as a community. And seeing and feeling the energy and passion from you guys only confirmed this to me. Um, person after person came up afterward. And several people said they wanted to go to Iraq Um Which is awesome. Which is awesome. And so many people just expressed how much they loved it. And you could just feel, I don't know if you guys could, but I could just feel how excited the church was. Um, but, uh, I can't read my own writing here. Um, but I was blown away by your hearts last week. And I wanted to thank you guys publicly because last week we gave, you guys gave $15,000 to the refugees in Iraq. And all of that money goes to, all of that money, all 15000 of that goes to, the, first of all, the administration for that kind of stuff is handled by other funds, so all $15,000 goes to food, it goes to things like water, shoes, uh, blankets, some of the most um, absolute simple things, um, most uh, necessary things that they don't have, all that money will go to that, um, you know, we're going to continue to dream about QCC's part in the story of these people and how we can be a help uh, and a blessing to them long term. Sean's going to keep us updated. Hopefully he's going to send us some videos and stuff when he's uh, back in the camp in a couple of weeks. For now, I just want to thank you guys so much. And if you weren't here last week, I think the podcast is up so you can go back and listen to that message and listen to what um, Sean is doing and what we want to help partner with him. And uh, also, if some of you didn't give and wanted to give, you can still give to him uh, by clicking the missions tab. Um, if you decide later on you want to give to his work, if you click on the missions tab, I guess it's on the website or Christopher will be up. He can explain details. He'll be up in a second. <laughs> Could you do that? <laughs> All right. After after I'm done here. But for now, guys, continue to pray and dream about how we can help these people on a long-term basis. A lot of times when uh, there's a lot of help when there 's news, and a lot of times the news cycle moves on, and people are still hurting, and people are still dying, and people still need help, so we want to figure out how we can be a long term help to these people who have no ability whatsoever to take care of themselves and their families often you know a lot of them have no opportunity, and if they don 't get help, um, then people will die you know um, and and we we want to be a help to those people, and we want to do more than just get angry on the internet about refugees. We want to actually be a help. So thank you guys so much for real, for giving uh, $15,000 to Sean. Anyway, Christopher's going to come up. He's got an announcement.
0: All right. So giving, you can do seven, seven, nine, seven, seven. You can text to that number QCC giving. And uh, there's a drop down menu for funds. You can choose missions. Or you go to our website, go to giving, and drop down menu and submissions. Uh, my name's Chris McMillan. Uh, John Mark's my brother. Robin's my dad. Uh, Andy's my friend. Andy and I have a ton of great conversations during the week. I keep him from getting work done. Um, if you've had your kids in kids' ministry, you've probably interacted with, with uh, my incredible wife, Brandy. If you have eyes and ears, you've probably seen my son, Cecil... Uh, Race hell throughout the building. Um, so I'm here because we're starting a new season of home groups. Um, after see, uh, after service, we're going to have leaders from six of our groups, along with myself, um, in the lobby to, uh, to talk with you. If you have any questions, to help you find your fit, if you're looking for a place, and help you get signed up. And that's for new members. If you're already a part of a group, you're part of that group, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, our groups meet for eight weeks, starting Sunday, March 17th, and ending Saturday, May 11th. Um, and we get together to to talk, to pray, to read, and discuss. This, uh, this series is going to be on Ephesians, which is really, really great. Um, we're going to provide encouragement. We're going to grow in relationships. Um, and every group is different. Some groups will meet around a meal. Some groups will... Just meet around, you know, whatever we're studying. Some will be loose. Some will be a little bit more structured. But they're all focused on developing fellowship, friendship, and relationship to God. Uh, we do home groups for eight weeks in the spring. We do home groups for eight weeks in the fall. Um, but the question is, why do we do home groups? Um, One of the reasons I believe in home groups is because I believe the Lord when he said in Psalm 68 that he puts the lonely in families. And we want to believe that for ourselves. There's so many of us are lonely, right? We might say we're angry or we're depressed or we're sad. But the truth is we're lonely. We're missing. We're missing relationships. Um, And we want to champion this for others. You know, we want to be Link to people, and we want to be a link for people. Sorry, I'm, I'm normally in the back, so I'm, I'm reading off a script. You know. Um, you don't need to clap, though. Uh, I believe that modern America has an undiagnosed loneliness problem. Right? Social media and media creates for us a binary perception of life, telling us that we are either haves or have-nots while making us at the same time think that we've had a relationship because we know things about people, right? We've seen a tweet. We've seen a video. We've seen a picture. And something, we learned something about that person, but we didn't actually interact. You know, you don't actually interact with people on social media the same way you would in real life, right? Right? It's like people go to Twitter to tell everyone that they're worthless. And they go to Instagram to see that they're worthless, right? You know? Anyways, (laughs) a little bit of truth, right? (laughs) Right. Um, Social media and the immediacy of this technological era teach us that relationships are passively earned income. They're an entitlement of citizenship, but in our hearts, we know that that's not true. We know that only by being a friend, can we have a friend, um, and only by laying down our lives for others can we really find it. Last week, Sean Foyt declared a war on inactivity. You know, he talked about how easy missions trips are. He talked about how much the Iraqi people love Americans. He says it's one of the few places you can land in a foreign country, and they're happy that you're an American, right? Jamark asked this question. Are we going to the world to save it? Or are we going to the world so that it can save us? So what I'm getting at is there is a choice that, that we all have to make at some point in our life. Um, and that's are we going to get active or are we going to keep wishing we had something, right? Um, fear, doubt, introspection, shame, uh, and aversion to vulnerability. Um, and then good old idealism. Idealism robs us of the help and support that we need through friendships, and they rob our friends of the help and support we could be giving them. The long, awkward break. Idealism. Idealism tells us that joining and being a component in a community is either too hard or the results really don't match our grand design for our lives. So we shouldn't bother, right? Has anyone experienced that? I've experienced that. I mean, I'm, some of this is hard, but this is this is how I deal with myself. This is how I've, I've related to some of this stuff. The apostle Peter encountered his own battle with idealism. While Jesus walked the earth, Peter had stars in his eyes. Uh... He thought they were going to take over the world, which they did, but he thought through force, right? He thought they were going to win the world. But when Jesus was crucified, the stars went dim and he gave up. When Jesus returned to him, Jesus only asked him, will you feed my sheep? Will you just be a friend? Will you just do a little thing? You don't got to do a big thing. He even asked. He's like, well, what about John? Because the Lord told him you're going to be taken and changed. You're going to be beaten, blah, 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 blah. He said, what about John? He said, don't worry about John. What does it matter? Right? Um, our idealism really can rob us of our lives. Um, our connection to idealism, the big, the powerful, being the hero, It cripples us, but Jesus always worked in the small and the broken and the seemingly insignificant. The hard part of community is really just making the choice, right? It's making a choice in your mind and giving action to that choice. And then continuing to make a choice and continuing to put it to action. All right, so what Queen City has done, we've got... uh, Ongoing men's meetings in in seasons. We've got women's meetings in seasons. We've got a a great young adult ministry that Casey and Julie are leading. Um, But obviously, I'm here talking about about home groups. Uh, We're giving everyone an opportunity, as much as we can, to make a choice to put their lives into action. And so our goal is that today we can choose to be the family and the body of Christ we've always wanted to know. Wanted to be that we can know him in a way that you can only know as part of a family, part of a body. Um, We're uh, giving us an opportunity to choose to fight against our inner dialogue, against our inner failings, to stand against our fears, to stand against the system we're in that makes us orphans, makes us losers, makes us silent, and we're fighting for others so they can get out, right? We're choosing to be a part of each other's stories and to enjoy seeing God's goodness firsthand, right? So um, if you want to be a part, you can just come into the lobby afterwards. We're going to have, like I said, six of our groups. We'll have leaders there. I'll be there if you want to get involved in helping with the group. You can talk to me if you want to join a group. We'll have maps and times and sign-up sheet. Um, but let's do it, guys. Right? Right.
2: Praise the Lord. I praise the Lord for Chris McMillan in my life. He does so much around here that I no longer have to do. And it's just fantastic. He's he's really a, he's a renaissance man. He does a lot of... A lot of things very well. I only do one or two things well, Um, but that's okay. I mean, as long as you know your limitations, right? So stay in your lane, people. All right. All right. Praise the Lord. I'm so happy to be here. Someday I'm going to learn how to preach not off of adrenaline, but until I figure that out, that's what I'm doing. Okay. All right. Praise the Lord. So yesterday the worship teams uh, gathered together and I said uh, this thing to them that i'm going to say to you this morning it's going to be my beginning point of my message and it's this the state motto of the state of north carolina is esse quam videri have any of you ever heard that before esse quam videri it it's this it's it's to be rather than to seem that's the state motto the state that you live in is we value being rather than seeming to be that's incredible. That is an incredible prophetic well that was dug by the founders of the state. I was saying to these guys yesterday, you know, Sean made the comment last week from the stage. I can't believe how many amazing musicians and poets are coming out of the state of North Carolina. And I believe that that reality is connected to that state motto. So. So. That's not just true for musicians and artists. This is true for the body of Christ. We are on a journey from becoming something that we thought we were to the thing that we actually are. We're going from what we seem to be to just being what God hardwired us for. Before time began, God dreamed you in his heart. He saw you before he created the cosmos, and he created you to be hardwired a certain way. And our journey together is is a journey of discovery to that thing. Amen? All right. So, So we are becoming who God made us to be, and much of that journey is leaving behind trying to seem like something else. This is true for us as individuals, and this is true for us as a, as a church, as a local body. <clears throat> we are being, according to scripture, we are being conformed into the image of Christ. Romans 8 says that, all right? You know that scripture. But you could, you could paraphrase that like this. We are growing up, and we, were, we are looking more like Jesus. It's as simple as that. We are growing up, and we are looking more. More like Jesus. That's God's aim for our life. All right. So this is part three in our series life together. And we're connecting all this to home groups because over the last two years, we have seen home groups absolutely revolutionize this church. Um, It's not glamorous. It's not sexy. It's slow. It's laborious. um, But it's been a an actual Producer of good fruit in our lives. And so we just we're we're paying attention to what the spirit is saying to us. And we're pushing into this um, this idea of life together. All right. So the Holy Spirit's been emphasizing to us that we really need a vision for our life together as a church. And there are real and practical realities that we need to be aware of practices that we need to. To be a part of so that we can grow into the image and likeness of Christ. All right. So the last time I spoke, I shared the idea that a Christian community, we are a Christian community, cannot be built upon a set of ideals. Do you remember me talking about that? All right. Ideals are idols that will crumble. Christian community is a divine reality that is upheld by only one thing. And that is Jesus himself. We gather around the person of Jesus Christ. And that's, that's the glue. That's the glue that holds us together. That's the glue that holds everything together. The scriptures say all of creation is held together through Christ. The same rings true for this little body of believers together. We are living life together in common union, not not um, under the weight of some great ideal, but under the authority of Jesus himself. So Christ is our reason for being. And he is our reason for us being together. He's the one who drew us into this place. When we find ourselves in community and things are not going the way we prefer. We can go one of two ways. We can accuse the brethren or we can lay down our ideals at the feet of Jesus. All right? This is I have done this. I've I've gone into a church. I've been there for a few weeks, maybe a month or two, and I have a list of things I don't appreciate about this church and these people. I become an expert at what they've done wrong. And they are not fulfilling my destiny. And so I become an accuser of the brethren at that point. You know who else is an accuser of the brethren? The devil. He's an accuser of the brethren. That's his ministry. He goes around accusing people of things. All right. When I stand in judgment of the church, uh, measuring them up against my set of ideals of the way church should be, I put myself in the same ministry that, you know, it's kind of a scary thing to say, but. That the devil is doing, you know, so that's one way I could do it. I can be an accuser of the brethren or I can lay down my ideals at the feet of Jesus. And that's really hard to do, isn't it? So here's the thing. If you live among Christians long enough, sooner or later, you will be confronted by the reality that your sister or brother in Christ is very disappointing. Yes, they are going to disappoint you. Just turn to your neighbor and say, I'm waiting for the day that you're no, just kidding. <laughs> I remember the day. <sighs> so a lot of times we head into these into these church worlds and we have expectations where that's not going to happen. Well, we should just all agree right now that that's not the way it is. The way it actually is, is that we are all running into each other at some point, looking at each other the wrong way, saying the wrong words, doing the wrong things. And there will be opportunity for offense. And that will be a good reason for you to run away from those people. All right. So you will be shocked. You will be offended. You will have a great urge to abandon your community and take your ideals to a place where they will finally be appreciated. I'll just let that sink in for a second, (laughs) but because God has built us together in Christ, we enter into common life together, not as demanders that our hopes and dreams will be fulfilled by our community, but as thankful participants in what God has done for us. So we go from being people who are like these people over here need to fulfill all the inner desires of my life to I am the same as all these other people in here. And we are all participating in the life of Christ together, even though that life together is very messy. All right. So I'm going to quote Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, He says this. We think. We don't stand in accusation to our brethren, but we thank God for giving us brothers and sisters who live by the call of God, by his forgiveness and by his promises. Each one of us is on this journey to individually living by the call of God in his forgiveness and according to his promises. All right. We don't complain of what God does not give us. I to be honest, I've spent a lot of my life complaining about what God has not done for me. I've actually written songs about that. I've, you know, it's, I've used some poetic license. It's okay to do that on occasion, but you don't want your whole life to be one big complaint about what God has not done for you, all right? Rather, we thank God for what he does give us daily, all right? So I wanna, I wanna just say that, Just like in your family with your spouse or your kids or whatever, wherever you are in life, you have this normal daily routine, okay? Your daily life is very important. And how you live your daily life is important. And it's a mistake if we get up every day and we just complain about our life. Because if we do that, we're going to miss the moment, the gift that God has given us of today, which is just a precious gift. Like you get up in the morning. You're, it's a miracle. If you are breathing in the morning, that's a miracle that you can thank God for. Okay, so that is a great place to start thanking God for your life. We have to start with the little things, don't we? The same is true for life in community. The church that you go to might be awkward, it might be ugly, it might have bad breath, it might have a lot of things not right with it, but it's really a place for you to begin practicing thanksgiving. The people that you're running with at the church that you go to are opportunities for you just to thank God for something or for somebody, all right? I know this all sounds very basic. This all seems very obvious, but um, if, if you're like me, I have to have constant reminders to stay aware of the little things in my life, all right? Um, so we want to thank God for what he's doing lately, because here's the thing. What he has given us is enough. Like, I'm looking at this room right now, and I'm hearing the Lord say, we're enough this life together with us right here is enough i mean that's an incredible thing to really think about you know but we're i i don't know i'm i've got a lot of inner ambition i've got a lot of inner compulsions that are are driving me and i've got these illusions of grandeur that are like oh i need to I need to be a part of a community that's much bigger or doing much more amazing things or filled with fantastic, talented people. And, but that's a lie from the enemy. And if we have those illusions going on in our mind, we will miss the glory of the person sitting right next to us. There's a glory that resides on each one of you people. You guys are carriers of glory. Oh, I got to tell this story. This is such a good story. Amy went to the DMV on Friday, and I got a text from her. And you know, the last place you expect to find the glory of God is at the DMV. She takes one of our daughters to get their license, and uh, she sends me a text. She said, Andy, there is a guy in here who is releasing the glory of God in the DMV right now. And I said, really? What's he doing? He says, oh, he's he's just talking over this woman. This woman's got tears falling down her face and and he's saying to her lady that's times of refreshing that's god trying to refresh you the lord's refreshing you right here right now like this guy realized he was a carrier of the glory and he was just dispensing that grace into the dmv over that lady's life i mean wouldn't you like to go to the dmv and have your life changed like man that's what i want to be doing with my life i want to be blessing people with grace and mercy everywhere i go so that they can feel the way that the lord loves them you know all of this stuff that we're talking about for community it's not just for the sake of community it's like god is trying to form us into his image because because when we're fully formed, we are just so beautiful. and We start acting beautiful and we start doing beautiful things. And we go into the DMV and just start releasing the beauty of God over people. And it's like, we don't even have to convince people to believe in God. They just start feasting at the feasting table. They just start feeling that his banner over them is love. And you don't have to become an apologist anymore. You don't have to become even good at preaching the Bible. You're just releasing the love of God. It's that simple. You know, I just, that kind of stuff just gets me excited. And when I hear testimonies like that, I just feel like I have to repeat them. Because I don't feel like we hear testimonies like that enough. You know? So anyways. Back to our regularly scheduled programming. (laughs) So what he has given us is enough. Brothers and sisters who will go on living with us. Oh, this is, this, is, this is the good part right here. He's given us brothers and sisters who will go on living with us through sin and need in the blessing of grace. I, you might be shocked by this, but the people that you go to church with occasionally sin. We occasionally mess up. Some of our lives are just disastrous. Like some of us have, we're like at the beginning stages of coming into the image of Christ. And I just want to tell you, that's okay. Like you're welcome. You do not have to have your act together to be in this church. You don't have to have your act together. I mean, this is what we're, this is, this is my, my greatest dream in life is that I don't know, man, like just more and more prodigal sons and daughters are just coming into the kingdom of God. And there's no religious people in the room, like standing there, checking with their checklist off, making sure the right people are getting in. I'm just like, man, no, come on. We don't we don't really know what to do with you. But come on. I mean, you know, it's just it's just time. It's time for people to meet the love of God. Amen. So. So I'm going to quote Bonhoeffer again. He says this, even when sin and misunderstanding burden our community life is not the sinning brother or sister, still a brother or sister will not his sin be a constant occasion for me to give thanks that both of us may be, may live in the forgiving love of Christ. Have you ever thought about that? Your brother's sin is just a reminder to you that you have something to be thankful for. Like I run into one of my friends who's just messing up in his life. And I'm just mad about it. I never see it as occasion to just rejoice in the forgiveness and grace of God. But that just knowing that just makes community together so much easier. It greases the gears. Thus, the very hour of disillusionment with my brother becomes incomparably profitable because it teaches us so thoroughly that neither of us can ever live by our own words and deeds, but only by that one word and deed, which really binds us together, the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. It's the only thing, and it's such good news, isn't it? It relieves you from the pressure of walking around, making sure everybody is following your ethic. Don't get me wrong. There is a Christian ethic to be found in the Bible, but that's for another day. So I've been asking myself these questions lately. I've been asking. I'm not saying you. I'm saying me. I'm asking myself this question. Can you carry the burden of sin and failure of your sister or brother? that's, That's a question I've been asking myself. Cause I have had times in my life when I've been walking with a brother who's decided to make like a really strong turn towards something that was pretty bad. And I just cut ties with them. And I felt the, the spirit of God just invite me back into that. Like how far can you walk with a brother in sin or a sister in sin? Here's another question I've been asking myself. How far can you walk through misunderstanding? Cause a lot of the mess we find in our church life isn't just, our sin, but it's like a lot of miscommunication, isn't it? It's a lot of awkward words or some offenses. And I've been in a few situations where the tension was so hard that all I wanted to do was run away. So it's like, I can't handle this anymore. I can't take this anymore. I have to get away from these, these people. But I, I, I feel the Lord asking me, how far will you go? Here's another question. How long will you go with somebody who is irritating you? Ask your husband. Ask your wife. My answer to these three questions, whatever my answer is, is actually the measure of my spiritual maturity. If if I will only go just a little while with an irritating, awkward person and then I just write them off because they just don't fit my ideal of what an acceptable person should be. I have room for growth. I need to grow. I need to grow up. I need to expand my heart. I need to ask the Spirit of God to expand my heart to make room for all kinds of people. Man, I've been in the church now... Well, basically all my life. And if you've spent any amount of time in the church world, you, you come to recognize that there's, there's a language that we use. There's an order of things that we do. There's like a culture that if you're in it, you understand it. But there's a whole world out there who doesn't have a clue about any of the words that we use or any of the any of the things that we do even and that's not to diminish the things we do i'm just i'm just kind of thinking through this like like sometimes the ideals that we hold are not that important and god's calling us out of the immaturity of those things into a larger capacity to make room for more people and and not just in numbers but in the way that in the in the way that they are So one of our challenges as humans is resisting the urge to run away from people who we find offensive. Isn't that right? So family life is very messy. So Amy and I, we have this cute little home right over here off of South Boulevard. It's small, but it's really cute. It's a nice home. And Amy is a, She's just a wonderful decorator, and our house is always clean. And if you come into our house, there's always food, the cooking on the stove. It smells good. Our house looks good, but it hasn't always been that way. <laughs> so we have a bunch of kids. We have six kids. And when our kids were little, there was a different kind of beauty happening in our home. So when our, when our children were young, we weren't trying to create a beautiful home. We were just trying to survive. Of course, we wanted our house to be clean, and we wanted it decorated nicely. But we had all these little kids, and these little human beings were running around our house, and they did not have a vision for living in a clean house. Our children were these wonderful little creatures who in their immaturity made messes out of everything. <clears throat> so did you know that in the body of Christ. In the family of God. You are someone's small child. <laughs> That's not an indictment. This is just the way it is. And as messy as those early years were in our home. Oh God, I remember this story. I don't think we had six kids yet. Maybe we had four. And so they were all like eight years old and under. And we lived in this tiny little house. And our house was just a wreck. And one of the elders at our church, I didn't know he was coming over to the house, but he I hear a knock on the door and I open the door. And it's this man that I just, held in high esteem. He was a business owner. He lived in a fancy house. He drove a nice car and he walks into my house and my house is a total disaster. And I was just kind of like feeling the pressure to be or to seem rather than to be. And he just steps into my house and he looks around and he goes, Oh, signs of life. (laughs) I thought that was a great thing to say. It was just such a moment of grace. Like, Yeah. Where there's good things happening, there's gonna be some mess. So it was like that was a that was a comfort for me and Amy at that time. It was like, okay, we're 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 not terrible people, you know, we're not raising feral children. (laughs) You know, it's just things are a little messy sometimes, and that's okay. So 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 just remember this in the family of God, you are someone else's small child. I I am too. I am the messy burden that someone else in this church is carrying. How do we relate to each other in our life together? And I'm going to close with this. This is some practical, practical steps. Number one, we welcome each other. I love this about our family. Um, my adult kids can come over to my house, the, the ones that don't live at home anymore. They can come into the front door of my house. They can go into the kitchen and they can take out anything out of the refrigerator and make themselves a meal if they want to. They can turn on the TV. I mean, that might be a little bit weird if they did it in the middle of the night or something, but like for the most part, like it's a free-for-all. My children are welcome in my home. And I'm not saying I want just any of you guys to come over and do that at my house. But what I am saying is there's a spirit of welcomeness that I have with my family. They feel welcome to me and I feel welcome to them. And that really is the father's heart for us with each other in our common daily life with each other. We want to welcome each other. We want to be welcoming. We want to create space and time for people Um, and, And I know that's a challenge because we live such fast paced, busy lives. But what I believe the spirit of God is doing in this age is he's calling the body of Christ to reset its pace to the pace of heaven, the speed of heaven. And it's a little bit slower than the speed of earth. The speed of heaven moves a little bit slower and it's inconvenient and it stops to talk to people that you wouldn't normally talk to. It stops to welcome people that might be a little bit difficult to welcome. So that's the first thing we do is we welcome each other. The second thing that we do is we give people time. We give time to one another. We make time for each other. Here's what I'd like to be known for as a church. I'd like us to be known as a people who don't judge other people based on first impressions. Man, I am so guilty of that, you guys. Like, I am so guilty of sizing people up. I'm like, I'll I'll meet a person. I got them figured out in my mind. Like, 30 seconds in. Oh, they're dumb. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. You're laughing, but you know you do the same thing. (laughs) And that's a bad habit that the Lord wants to break us of. Because some of us, we don't take tests well, we go to school, we don't take tests well, we fail the tests, but there's so much more to us than the test. We want to create an atmosphere where people can come in here and we're not sizing people up and we're not going off of the first impression. We're recognizing that there's a God-given treasure in there somewhere. And it's our job to let that person know it's in there and to pull it out. So we acknowledge that like us, these are people are in process too. We don't judge them on the first impression or the mistakes they've made. We create spaces for people to eventually show us who they really are. All right, here's another thing we do. We resist the urge to run from people who reveal what they are really going through. All right, that's that's a really non-romantic, practical thing. Because all of this community call, it can sound very romanticized on the on the outside. But when you get into the trenches of people, with people, and you begin to build trust with one another, and you begin to... To be vulnerable with one another. Sometimes people are going to tell you things. That might offend your sensibilities. They might shock you a little bit. They might make you want to run the other direction. And I feel like the Lord wants us to exercise our muscles. To the degree that we can create space for people. In order to be healed. Can tell us they need to be healed. You know, hiding your pain away is not the same thing as being healed. So here's the third and final thing. The first one was we welcome each other. The second one was we give people time. The third thing that we're going to do is we are going to give people grace. So sometimes grace comes as courage. You're talking to somebody. And that person has a void of courage in their body and their soul. And you need to what? Encourage them. You need to give them some of your courage. You need to give them some of your strength so that they can continue. That's what it looks like to carry each other's burdens. That's what it looks like to carry each other through the things that we're going through in life. So grace comes as courage. Here's another thing. Grace comes as accountability. All right. Sometimes we need course correction, don't we? We need course correction. I can't remember who said this, but. um, I, I realize that I have to have a lot of people speaking into my life because I'm not smart enough to know what I need on my own. I have to have watchful hearts and minds speaking into my life because, man, I'm just, I don't know. I think God's designed us this way to need each other. But the problem is this. We don't really like the word accountability in the day and age that we live in. We live in a very politically correct world now. And sometimes we're afraid to speak a word of correction to somebody because we're afraid it's going to offend them out. And I would say this to myself. I'm saying this, Andy, you need to stay so humble that if somebody comes to you and says, brother, you're doing this and it's not right, that I wouldn't just shun that person right away. You don't know me. Well, that person probably does know me. If they took the risk to to bring that to my attention. So. So we want to be a people who are are gracing each other with courage. We want to be a people who are gracing each other with accountability and course correction. And I want to say this, that we want to give away grace because grace comes upholding the dignity and humanity of the person. And I say that because, um, well, one of the themes that we've been going after in this church is the issue of shame okay a lot of folks have internal shame that's so powerful that if you come with a harsh correction you're only going to crush them beyond repair so we need we need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to help us be a people who walk in grace in everything that we do Because sometimes we get a little bit of righteous indignation worked up inside of us. And we just want to like bring the Bible, the hammer of the Bible to somebody's life. Right? And mostly that takes people backwards and not forwards. I always want to be a person who is able to receive correction and even give correction. But if I do it, I want to do it in a gentle spirit. And in all humility, knowing that I have things in my own life that need to be worked out as well. So. I want to tell you about this experience that I had last night. Man, d- during worship today I I know the Lord is working and 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 the worship is really good. When I get six prophetic words that I want to run up onto the stage and give. You know, and and I know this about the Lord speaking. Sometimes he'll give you a lot of things And the temptation is to go give that away as soon as you get it. But I'm learning that a lot of things the Lord gives me are for me. (laughs) He'll give me six amazing revelations. I'm like, man, this is awesome. I'm going to preach this every week for the next six weeks. And the Lord will say, no, that was just for you. The Lord's going to give you the secrets of his heart. And they're not for other people. They're for you. But I had this experience last night and it, 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 came into fullness this morning during, during worship. I want to share this in the context of our community, but Amy and I, we were just spending some time together. We bought a cheap $9 bottle of uh, white wine from food lines. So, you know, I'm big spender over here, you know, like date night, we're getting the, the, the kind of wine that has the screw on cap, not the cork, you know? So, but, but we're just sitting there and we're just, you know, drinking our wine and we're just talking and we're just having this incredible conversation. Um, being married is not a series of one incredible conversations after the next. It's just not, you know, it's so much more than that. Right. Um, but last night we're drinking our wine and we're talking And I had the Lord speak this thing to me. Well, now here's what I was noticing. I was noticing how good that moment was. Amy and I were together. We were drinking our wine and we were speaking words back and forth. And there was just, it was like we entered into this sacred moment. And I saw this thing. I don't know why I have never seen it before, but I realized that the body of Christ, the people of God, we are a people of the word and we are a people of the wine. We are a people of the word and we are a people of the wine. And one version of that looks like worship is the wine and the word is the word. But man, when you start beginning to mix those things together, something intoxicating begins to happen. And it's like, Everything opens up within you in a way that you cannot be opened up in another way. And I know that's like a weird parallel. It's a weird metaphor, but I have this sense. And I was especially feeling this during worship that we are a church that is coming under the submission of the word of God and the spirit of God. And it's not for the spirit of heaviness. It's the spirit of praise and joy and lightness of being and goodness and feasting and and even all the challenges of being in relationship with each other. They tend to dissipate when we are a people under the word and the wine of the spirit. Does that make sense? So let me just let's just let's stand together. Got an addendum. Okay, Whew. Lord, we've been challenged this morning. We've been drawn. You're drawing us. You're you're conforming us into your image, and and here's our prayer today, God, that this week you would expand the capacity of our hearts to be giving and receiving life one to another, that you would open up the expanse of our hearts towards each other and toward what you're doing, Lord. We pray this in your name. Amen.
3: Thanks, Andy and Christopher and John Mark. All of that was so good. I wanted to uh, give you an idea of what we're going to be doing for the next number of weeks. We, we're going to begin to teach uh, out of the book of Ephesians. I'm going to do it the next two weeks. Then that third week, Sandy Forbes is going to speak. So we're going to have that. And then um, and while we're doing that, we're going through, uh, actually, we'll have some aspects of the book of Ephesians in our home groups. So I think it's going to be great. But let me read you this one verse. And then we'll conclude. This is out of the book of Ephesians. May God himself, the heavenly father of our Lord Jesus Christ, release grace over you and impart total well-being into your lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, let's say that together. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm, Now, here's the shocker, has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from the wonderful Heavenly Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. And so what we're going to see is we're going to see our minds change. We're going to get on gospel ground. We're going to get on the finished work aspects of trusting in what God has done for us. Instead of trying to get out there and earn and work for it, we're going to be able to enjoy this great gospel Paul describes so eloquently in the book of Ephesians. And it'll be life-changing for all of us that feast on the bread and the wine. So God bless everyone. We do have ministry teams today.